Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocósica. Pregunta tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocósica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocósica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar20enespañol.com. Hola, everyone. I'm Wilmer Valderrama. And I'm MR Raquel. Welcome back to Essential Voices. So, Wilmer, what have we got on deck for today? You know, MR, we've been doing this show for a while now, and I was thinking about all the incredible stories we've amplified when it occurred to me that we actually haven't done a show about doctors yet. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're right. When we think about the pandemic, we of course think about the folks that are on the front lines, like doctors and nurses, individuals in the medical field who were suddenly transformed into heroes, literally doing everything they could to save lives. But... We like to switch things up here at Essential Voices, so we try to uplift as many untold stories as we can. Yeah, we absolutely do. And so while on the surface, this episode is about medicine and specifically providing medical care within the Navajo Nation, what we quickly realized when we were making this episode was that these conversations were so much more than just medicine. They were about preserving culture and language and, and community, along with fighting COVID-19 while all the while fighting the legacy of systemic racism and the oppression of indigenous communities in this country. So today we're going to hear from essential worker, Dr. Lance Whitehair, who's a family physician at the Indian Health Services in New Mexico, serving the Navajo Nation, which had one of the earliest surges of COVID-19 here in the U.S. Dr. Whitehair will talk to us about what it was like to be in the middle of that surge and what keeps him passionate about medicine. After our conversation with Dr. Whitehair, We'll speak to the president of the Navajo Nation, Jonathan Nez, and activist Ali Young, who founded the initiative Protect the Sacred in March of 2020. And if I can jump in here real quick, Amar, Protect the Sacred is actually a part of an initiative I co-founded alongside America Ferreira and Ryan Pierce Williams in 2016 called Hardness. And the goal of Hardness has always been to uplift the voices of historically disinvested communities. We've been working with Ali for years and I am so proud of her. She is an incredible young activist and I am so thrilled that she was able to join us today. 
That's amazing. And I'm also so thrilled that she's able to join us along with President Nez. And so both of them will tell us more about how the Navajo Nation responded to the threat of COVID-19 in their community, how they work to protect their culture and their history when the world was shut down, and how the Navajo Nation currently has an unprecedented 75% vaccination rate in their community. That's beautiful. I can't wait. Dr. Whitehair's story starts now. Hey, how are you, doctor? It's uh, Wilmer, and I'm very happy to be talking to you today. And tell me a little bit about you and where you come from and your community. I'm uh, I'm a Dr. Whitehair. Shea, Dr. Whitehair, Yerushe. Hash Arizona Shule. Torich in Bashish Chantachi. That's Shea. Nakai de Nakai de Shinella. So um, I'm Dr. Whitehair. I, I, I spoke in my uh, my Navajo uh, the language. I was born for the Bitterwater people, and I am uh, Yucca Fruit in a row. Who who I am? That's my my mother's uh, clan. My uh, mother's father's clan is uh, Red uh, Run through the river, and my father's clan is of the Paiute uh, PP people. So I'm a family physician on the Navajo Reservation, and I work at out of uh, 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 Shiprock, New Mexico, on the, the eastern side of the, the, the Navajo Reservation. I do a full uh, spectrum family medicine uh, clinic and intensive care and, uh, and hospitalist. Where did the passion for medicine come from? Like, how did you get into all of that? I, I was probably born like into it. My uh, my mother w- was a nurse, and my my father ran uh, like clinics on Indian r- reservations on the, around the the United, the United States. So uh, we um, lived in uh, like northern like California and Alaska for for uh, a few years, and here on on Navajo and some of the the uh, the, 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 the Pueblo uh, uh, tribes in um, New Mexico. So I was I was always like around Indian health service, like in the, the, the clinics and in the, the, the hospitals, I guess a kid just, 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 just waiting for my, my parents. How was inheriting that essence? Uh, how did you feel about that? And as you were growing up and you wanted to, you eventually paved the road for your own self as a doctor. What was your passion and what type of medicine? I, I, I just really like being in the, the hospital for some weird reason. And like I, I just I didn't know I really didn't know my my, my mother's who's a nurse who kind of went into to uh, to public health and then into um, um, like uh, uh, policy and grant writing at the at the CDC said don't be a doctor don't ever be a doctor <laughs> and then, but but I, I I waited way too late in like medical school that's when I kind of <laughs> like way too late after but being able to help people like being able to like save someone's life, you know, like their, their, their organs are like malfunctioning and their, everything is going bad. And you, you kind of know you, you can help them fix them and, and, and almost like giving their life back. And that's just been incredible. Like it's the, it's the best thing in the world. Do you have a story like that? You know, a moment that made you go, you know, what? this is why I do what I do. This past week, um, um, uh, I was taking care of, one of my patients who has like a multiple sclerosis, so she's on a immunosuppressive medication, and she she is she's obese. Her BMI is large. It's, she's not. She's almost like a, like elderly, but she got COVID and she got it very 
severely, and she almost kind of needed to be on the invasive ventilation. But like, there are kind of newer treatments that have come out in the past, like like few months. So I was one of the first ones to to get it like implemented in this this hospital. So I I got her on that med, and and she recovered. But it took about like like a week and a half, and when I was discharging her, you know, like she was on like room air, no need for oxygen. And she, she, she told me, she's, I thought I was going to die. I, I really thought I was going to die. And thank you, Dr. White there. You know, like, you know, I, I, I just wanted to, to, to cry, but I just kind of like smiled and gave her like a, like a, like a nice hug in my, my PPE, but it's, it, it is such an incredible feeling to be able to, cause she was there. She was like, if she, you know, like if she hadn't turned around, if if we hadn't, it was it was very scary because I, I I've been I've been her doctor for for about five years now. You know, when I think about the things that we have in common and what we went through through the pandemic and how our communities got just absolutely completely dominated by this wave, you know, um, I also think about in our cultures that are not have never focused in the word prevention. You know, we've taught to only go to the doctor when something is really wrong, you know? But yeah, I wonder how, if you can speak a little bit about that. What were some of your obstacles? And when you think about the culture, when you think about the community, how did you feel that they reacted based on what they knew and didn't know? Uh, we reacted like well, like it did. So, so it, it, it hit the Navajo reservation very early. It was, it was, it was like China, Italy, New York, Seattle, then Navajo Nation. So even before a lot of the kind of the, 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 the CDC public health messaging kind of occurred, we were, we were in, in a like a really bad surge. So like we were kind of really learning the, the public health um, message because early on it was delayed and, and not uh, consistent. But like once, you know, once kind of a, a, a few weeks into our surge, then um, yeah, uh, the, the, the tribal leadership, our hospital, you know, like we all had had a consistent message. And I think we had a, like a, just a, a really high rate of kind of mask wearing and social distancing, like a, a lot more than, than uh, some of the neighboring kind of towns and, and, um, and states. And I think that that really saved us. I feel like it's, uh, we probably got infected between 10 and 15% on the, the reservation. And there, there's other communities at 30, 40, 50%, um, uh, the, the infection rate. Describe a little bit how your community responded. How did the reservation responded to care for your elders and your kids and, and the most vulnerable community members? We had a, a lockdown from the, the, the Navajo Nation president. We had the most aggressive lockdown in the, the, the United States. Um, I guess like it, it, during the first surge, it was hard because that was like the first time it happened. We ran very low on on PPE. We, we changed our hospital, like we shut down the the, the operating room. Every de- de- department kind of gave half or a third of their employees to some type of of COVID re- response. So we we had we're like a sixty bed hospital. We we're not that big, but we were like testing like five hundred people a day. And, you know, like when the, the vaccine rollout occurred, we were vaccinating a thousand people every other day. You know, like, so we did have 
kind of this, this giant response kind of from the hospital, from the, the public health uh, the department. And then there's, uh, there's these um, nonprofits and, and chapter houses that really kind of um, got a lot of uh, donations and, and uh, delivered, you know, food and, and water and firewood to I think thousands of uh, families here. How are you taking care of yourself? I mean, what, how, what do you do for you? How are you finding the balance through all this? I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, yes, it's it's hard because there's 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 such a need. You know, like I could just go to the hospital and get like 20 pages when I like walk in the door. You know, and then there's just people who just need like the pharmacy. Like they stock the computer, so whenever I log on, they bam, they jump on me. <laughs> so um um, but like um, but uh, seriously. Just my patients, they're so sick. They just need, like, and then I can do it. Like, I'm smart enough, I'm quick enough that I can, I, I, I can help them. And there's just so much to be done. You know, with the, all, pretty much most any health service places ha, have a physician shortage. So, you know, we, we need more doctors, nurses, you know, like everybody, RT. You know, but, like, uh, I try to leave the hospital and, and like play guitar or go hiking or kayaking or, you know, just, just kind of enjoy the, the, uh, the, the beauty. But it, it, it is hard for, for me to leave the, the, the hospital because I, I just, I do like it. I do like the difficult problem and, and just helping some, like giving someone back to life is, is just so rewarding and, 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 and great. Dr. Whitehair, I couldn't be more grateful that you could share all of this and taking the time to be able to spare some of those words. We're very grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. And what was the disclaimer? So um, my views and opinions do not uh, represent uh, Indian Health Service. My views and, and, uh, and statements are my own. Thank you. Wow. What an amazing feeling that must be to think this woman is alive because of me. Truly the best hug ever, despite the PPE. And the love he clearly has for his work, right? I mean, part of part of me wants to yell at him and tell him to take a break, you know, but I'm also moved by the joy he has for such a difficult job. I also definitely want to learn more about the Navajo community. So when we get back from the break, we'll talk with the president of the Navajo Nation, Jonathan Ness and Ali Young of Protect the Sacred. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. As an actor, a producer, and a proud Latino father, my days can get very busy, which is why I make sure to dedicate time to what's important, like supporting my community through my work, sharing my Colombian and Venezuelan culture, and being present for my family, which is everything to me. Hey, everyone, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and we're reflecting on what matters most. I start by giving thanks for good support in my life whenever I need to make the big decisions. How about you? If it's insurance you need, State Farm is there to help you choose the right coverage for you. And State Farm offers great support 24-7. Just call an agent. 
State Farm is also a big supporter of Michael Tudor Podcast Network by helping to share our Latinx voices. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tudor shows wherever you get your podcast. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 españolcom We're here today speaking with the president of the Navajo Nation, Jonathan Nez, and Ali Young, activist from Protect the Sacred. President Nez and Ali, it's such an honor to be in conversation with you today. Thank you so much for your time and, and for being here with us. Um, Wilmer, want to start us off? Thank you for being here, Ali. It's so nice to see you. President Nez, I'm, I'm proud to you know be in your presence here, and thank you for your time. And I guess I will start with President Nez. Um, what are some of your first reactions after hearing Dr. Whitehair's story? I mean, with many other Diné doctors and, and frontline workers, our warriors, such as Dr. Whitehair, you know, we're encouraged and inspired that many of our Navajo professionals are helping, not just on the Navajo Nation, but all across the country. As you may know, Wilmer, the Navajo Nation has contributed greatly to the freedoms of this country. You know, uh, you heard the discussions about the Navajo Nation co-talkers. You also heard about, I'm sure, the uranium legacy, you know, uh, uranium being extracted from our Indian country and used in many of the wars. And to this day, those uranium mines are still open and have not been cleaned up. And so we live with that devastation. But, you know, with... Uh, What we're hearing from folks like Dr. White here, it's very encouraging and really inspiring to see our Navajo citizens doing some great things to continue the legacy of our warriors from the past. So that's how I frame the discussion throughout the COVID-19, you know, being warriors and lady warriors. And if you're going into battle, you know, you have to have uh, the armor and the weapons. And that is Navajo's perspective, you know, and we've learned since time immemorial that there are certain people that were sent to protect the Navajo people from these monsters that plague our citizens. And fast forward to today, there's modern day monsters. And one of those is COVID-19. And what's the armor? The vaccine. What's the weapons? You know, our masks and some of these very strict protocols that we put in place that Dr. White here mentioned at the beginning of the segment. So uh, again, just being inspired by our younger generation, really stepping up and um, pushing back on a lot of these uh, modern day monsters, including COVID-19. Thank you, President. And Ali, how about for you? Uh, what comes up for you? 
Yeah, I got emotional when he was talking about the patient with MS. And I'm like President Nez, just so inspired and grateful for our people who haven't had many opportunities. You know, we've had to fight for them. And for someone like Dr. Whitehair to be in the position that he's in, you know, a position to help our nation and come back to our nation to help our people and to ensure that he's saving lives because, you know, we're a decimated population. This is our ancestral homeland. And now we only make up around 3% of the population. And so it makes me very proud of his work, but also the work of many of our young people who bring that knowledge back to our homelands to help our people to make sure that our society is thriving and to ensure that we remain here. Mm, Thank you so much for sharing that, Ali. I really love what you said about this country being your ancestral homeland and how proud you are of of Dr. Whitehair's contributions to keeping the Navajo Nation safe and, and healthy. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And it also really struck me when um, Dr. Whitehair was talking about how many beds are at the hospital where he works. It's something like 60 beds, right? And, you know, the the relatively small size of the hospital bears absolutely no impact on how big of a difference his work makes. It's, it's just truly inspiring. Um, and so to turn it over to you, President Nez, you know, we're talking about healthcare. So can you speak about what healthcare for the Navajo Nation looks like more broadly? Um, maybe explain what healthcare, you know, looks like and if there are any differences between the Indian health services where Dr. Whitehair works and the healthcare that non-Native or Indigenous folks receive? Uh, well, thank you for that question, Amar. And, uh, you know, we signed a treaty in 1868 where the Navajo Nation government, the Navajo Nation people, agreed with the federal government to protect one another. And there were some promises that were made, and we all signed the contract, which is a treaty. But to this day, some promises have not been kept. And one of those is in healthcare. All across the country, 574 tribes, you know, I think uh, really healthcare in Indian country has been neglected. I mean, look at the Indian Health Services under the Department of Health and Human Services. It has been underfunded since the start. And don't get me wrong, with the limited resources that these healthcare facilities get, they did an outstanding job throughout this pandemic with the limited resources. Just imagine if we were fully funded, how much more impact we could have done and maybe save a lot more lives, you know, and, and not to put blame to anyone, but I, I truly believe that the healthcare system here in the Navajo Nation and all the tribal communities could be a lot better. But because of this pandemic throughout the country, the healthcare system is in need of improvements, not just in tribal communities, but all across the country. Mm, yeah. So, you know, both you and Dr. Whitehair bring up the pandemic, and we heard Dr. Whitehair share that there was a a really effective Navajo Nation response to the pandemic and to, you know, keep your community safe and healthy. So what were the steps and actions that you took to keep the Navajo Nation safe, and why do you think your strategy has worked so well? Sure. Thanks again, Imar. Uh, For us on the Navajo Nation, we have a different worldview, as you know. Uh, we have a different perspective on things, you know. 
There was nobody coming to our government capital saying, you're forcing us to wear a mask. You're forcing us to stay home. You're taking away our freedoms. No, people accepted those very tough protocols. And it's because it wasn't about ourselves being individualistic, but it was about taking care of our families, taking care of our community, and taking care of our nation. And to this day, we still have a mask mandate. Since last year, never took that mask mandate off. And if Navajo Nation were to be a a model or a case study, masks do push back on COVID-19. And today, we have over 70, 75% of our Navajo people, the residents that are on our nation, that are fully vaccinated. You know, we hear things like, well, we don't know if the vaccine does work, you know, look at the Navajo Nation. And today, if you look at the data, comparing it to the United States of America, of course, we still have breakthrough cases, but we're still very low. And the people that are ending up in hospitals are those that are not vaccinated. So I I think, and I applaud, I'm so proud of leadership of all our public health professionals Alley and getting the young people to step up and to take care of their elders during the height of the pandemic. Of course, the friends of the Navajo Nation, too, you know, non Navajos, non natives coming together, helping each other out. We were able to, you know, get the message out to our citizens to let them know that the safest place to be is at home. And that's our way of life teaching. Ali and I grew up uh, knowing that at the home is where the water is, at the home is where. The fire poker is, and that's the safest place to be. And when we went through the height of the pandemic, we just reminded our citizens, you know, stay home. And that way you are less likely to catch the virus. So a lot of our culture, our way of life teaching was intermittent in our messaging. And I think because of that, the elders stood up, the youth stood up to protect all our people. So I'm so proud of our Navajo people. But again, we're not out of the pandemic yet. Uh, We still got to keep the momentum going. And, uh, you know, with the help of you all and and Ali, I think the momentum will continue to protect our citizens. You know, for the most part, when you think about how you magnified, how you broadcast the signal of the community for the sake of not just the survival, but like you said, taking care of our elders, you know, that's something that we can really, really learn from. And, you know, we've seen the deconstruction of a lot of the strength of a lot of our communities. And it's an unfortunate, you know, moment because some of our communities have been kind of just pushed off to fence for themselves. And I think moments like this, when all of us people of color can, you know, can show up for each other and understand that we have more things in common than we don't. I think that is a magical moment when we realize that we are living on the same ground and same mother earth, you know, and we share that together. I think it's when we get the farthest as humanity. I'd also think about the many people that have shown up. And in speaking of people that have shown up, I mean, you mentioned Ali, who's someone who I respect and admire so much. And, you know, Ali, we've, you know, been working together on Harness, you know, for a very long time. And uh, we were there from the beginning, you know, and we've seen the evolution of that. And Protect the Sacred is a program of Harness. And you have spearheaded that beautifully and have taken it to all kinds of heights. And um, we could not be more proud of that. Can you please share with us Protect the Sacred's initiatives and why the program was created? 
It launched March of 2020 when I came home from Los Angeles, actually. I was out in Los Angeles for about four and a half years. I came home to be with family. And I actually used to work at Indian Health Service where Dr. Whitehair works in Shiprock, New Mexico. And um, they reached out to me and they said, uh, hey, we heard that you're home and you're connected with young people. Like, how can we spread the messaging among them about this stay home message that is so important right now to protect our communities. So I jumped right in. I started uh, doing some brainstorming calls with them and creating messaging with them that they then pushed out to us to push out on our own social media channels to connect with Native youth. And from that, I came up with protect the sacred. And I kept putting that as a hashtag at the end of my messaging because I said, look, this is what we're doing. When we stay home, when we spread this message of what's happening right now and the importance of staying home, we're protecting the sacred because our elders are those who are most vulnerable and our elders are the ones that carry our ancestral knowledge and our stories and our traditions and our languages. And they're the ones that need to be protected. Otherwise, without them, that's gone. And I saw a real threat to the survival of our cultures. You know, I was hearing things from Texas where they were saying that young people and even the elders there were okay with dying for the sake of our economy. And I said, well, that's not the native community. We're not okay with that because this has been our survival. This is why we still exist today is because of that knowledge. And That's really what Protect the Sacred works on. And that's our initiatives, uh, really grounded in that COVID response work and bringing together folks like President Nez, leaders like him, and also, as he mentioned, our allies who are non-Native, like Mark Ruffalo, who's been such a great ally to Indian country, and Paul Rudd, Taika Waititi, and many others who stepped in to help us spread that messaging among our Native youth, because those are folks that our youth get excited about because they're superheroes. And we created a whole campaign around our Indian Country Hero Challenge, which was about calling on our Native youth to step up in this moment to be our modern day monster slayers. So the President Nez mentioned uh, the monsters that plague our community and related to that back to culture and community. So in the Navajo Nation, we have a creation story about our hero twins and they were known as the monster slayers. And that kind of messaging grounded in culture is what resonates. And that's really what we do. And we help to bring a lot of media attention to the Navajo Nation through our allies. And then that then turned into our civic engagement work. And so that's a huge focus area for us as well. But really with Native youth engagement. So calling on our Native youth to step into their leadership and how do we support that? Because that civic engagement piece is really It is related to what happened to us during the height of the COVID emergency in the Navajo Nation, because with leaders who call us to the table, with leaders who work with tribal nations sincerely, then that's where we get that kind of support. We have to make sure that we're engaged so that we're electing leaders that will show up for us. We'll be right back after this break. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles. Because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there. I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community, because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura podcast network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos, Estamos en riesgo, riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita Prevnar20 en español.com. Welcome back to Essential Voices. Turning it over to you, President Nez, we've learned about the Navajo Nation's response to the pandemic and how you have an unprecedented 75% vaccination rate, which is amazing. Um, and it's incredibly inspiring given, you know, the major roadblocks that the majority of this country has faced in the months since the vaccine's been available to the general public. And even though right now you're totally leading the charge on high vaccination rates, Were there any overarching roadblocks or challenges to making, I don't know, healthcare vaccines and COVID safety precautions available to the Navajo Nation at large? Right. I think uh, just reminding our federal leaders of those promises that were made between tribes and to fulfill those promises. You know, we got infrastructure money that's coming into tribal communities to help get water and electricity, broadband telecommunication, even homes. Multiple generations of our people live in one home. And just imagine one person bringing the COVID-19 back into the house, how it spread like uh, wildfire. Water, 30 to 40% of our people, including electricity, don't have that. And now... We are petitioning Congress to do more and fulfill those promises that were made. Now, in terms of the media, at one point, you know, we, yeah, we were on a lot of TV segments because it was framed in a way by the media that was saying, poor, poor Navajos, they're getting hit hard. Look at them. And now we turned the tide. We flipped it. 70, 75% of our people are vaccinated. But where's the media now? They should be here uh, highlighting 
and making Navajo a model because we're so interconnected than ever before. Whatever happens off the nation, tribal communities, affects us and vice versa. But you don't hear that. It's when you see an increase in cases, that's when the media comes. And that just shows you that it's all about the continued subjugation of a people, you know, and feeling sorry for the nation. But let me just also highlight that we're a resilient nation. We had to take it upon ourselves. You know, we had to fight the federal government at one point during the CARES Act funding that we weren't even given money while the rest of the country were given money to push back on the virus. And we had to wait. We even had to take the federal government to court to get our share of CARES Act resources. And I think that just shows you that there is still some underlying discrimination and people will call it racism in society today. It seems to me like sometimes we feel as our communities ask for the things that everyone is either getting or we try to include ourselves in the solution making or even as simple as what you're saying, offer what has worked for us. You know, it's like we're kind of left to talk to ourselves almost. Right. I mean, it's just a, a way of reinstating that subjugation back onto a people from one generation to the next. But I think what we've done here on the Navajo Nation, those of us that were here on tribal lands during the time, is to flip it and to say, you know, we were able to help each other out during a crisis and to be able to utilize the knowledge that has come back to the nation. But at the same time, using our culture, our tradition and our language to push back on COVID-19 here, we're looking at it through our world lens, our worldview, and not everybody's going to understand that. And, and for both of you, as we go into the fall, we go into the holidays, you start seeing how this national communities are getting ready to gather around and share the table and all of that. And with this new variant, have you both, for your perspective uh, platforms or where you sit from, have you thought about those current goals in which we can make public and we can help as other communities who are allies that can help either amplify or, uh, or just show up for you too? And Ali, we can start with you. Well, for us, Protect the Sacred, we're focusing on the COVID vaccines right now and vaccine outreach and encouraging vaccinations. And so we're working in collaboration with some of those physicians and healthcare professionals that I mentioned earlier to really kind of figure out how do we communicate to, you know, that hard to reach population that hasn't come in to get vaccinated. We're, and I think President Nez can agree our goal is to get Navajo Nation to 100% fully vaccinated. That's the goal. And so that's what we're really focusing. And I think in addition, like I said, this civic engagement focus, um, really tying that in as we think about you know, the different elections happening, local elections and going into the midterm elections next year, having that conversation with our Indigenous youth, because it's important, as President Nez mentioned, our this nation-to-nation relationship that we have with the government, it's a very special relationship that we have. And that's why we have such a focus 
on that civic engagement piece in addition to this COVID response. It's all interconnected. And because of that, we need to be calling on our elected officials to say, hey, we need support not only for IHS and we need funding and resources, but also for our urban healthcare system because 70% of the native population no longer lives on the reservations. They live outside of reservations and cities. And so IHS is a federally run program, but our urban healthcare facilities are often funded by nonprofits. As part of their treaty obligation, they should also be funding urban healthcare facilities. Thank you so much for that, Ali. Um, I definitely want to hear more sometime about how you think funding could be diverted to urban healthcare facilities for Native and Indigenous populations. Um, but for now, what are your thoughts on this as well, um, President Nez? For us, the goals and objectives that we started with at the onset will continue. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I want to highlight is uh, I hear a lot of uh, often asked Navajo Nation, our kids are going through some mental health issues, and, and we knew that was going to come. So what we did at the onset, we also said to our, our Navajo parents, okay, the safest place to be is at home, and our schools are closed, our kids are at home, the Navajo Nation is shut down, parents are at home, and so we encouraged our families to come back together to share stories and that's where Ali and uh, Protect the Sacred Harness all came in. You know, they were all at home. So they, you know, those that had uh, internet access were able to watch some of these segments that we did is to encourage our young people to learn their way of life, teaching their culture, their tradition, their language. And, you know, that was something that we saw happen throughout the Navajo Nation. And we even encourage people to go back to farming. As we told our parents, don't let your kids just uh, sit at home and, and play video games. Many of us grew up with some hard work around the house, around the ranch, around the, the farms. We even said, go farm, plant a cornfield or plant a garden at the house. And, and so we really encouraged our people to do that throughout the pandemic. And you fast forward today, and the schools are, are coming back into session. We've gotten young people that have thanked us and said, thank you, President, for challenging us. I've never been this close ever to my parents or my grandparents. I've learned so much about our way of life teaching and our language than I would have received in teaching at the schools. And now we challenge the teachers and the school administrators. Let's keep that momentum going in the schools. Let's uh, continue to teach our young people about our ways. And, uh, you know, with the the vaccination, and I agree with Ali, is number one here on Navajo to get as many people uh, uh, vaccinated. We're also maybe one of the first tribes to put in place that our employees are to be fully vaccinated. And today, 85% of our Navajo Nation government employees are fully vaccinated. Next week is the deadline for that. And if you don't, be expected to uh, test uh, very often. So they, they still got a choice, but if they don't get the vaccine, they're going to be tested periodically. And mm-hmm. so that's the strategy also that continues. And of course, as you know, the federal government that is doing the same. IHS facilities are mandating their employees to be fully vaccinated. Yes. So our goal is to 
get as high as we can in the percentage of vaccination here on the Navajo Nation. Wow, that's an amazing goal, President Nez. Thank you. I also really like what both of you, President Nez and Ali, are talking about in regards to um, you know, this cultural preservation, especially with language. If we go back to the very beginning of Dr. Whitehair's interview, he introduced himself in the Navajo language and protect the sacred works to preserve and protect native and indigenous languages. Um, so Ali, why do these languages need protection and how does protect the sacred work on language preservation? Yeah, that is a major part of our culture and how our stories have been passed down since time immemorial, the Navajo language, the written parts of the language that exists now and the way we teach it is actually very recent because our stories and everything was very oral and passed down orally. So that's why it's so important. It's how we communicate those very important parts of our ceremonies, traditions, and our creation stories that are integral to our way of life as Indigenous peoples. And it's important because we're in this modern time. And as I mentioned, many of our people don't live on reservations anymore. And it's very important to keep our Indigenous youth connected in whatever way we can. You know, we have to get creative with how we keep them engaged. And, you know, just a personal story. I wish that I spoke our language fluently, and I don't. And uh, it makes me sad. And, and, and of course, there's intergenerational trauma at play with that, because for me, both of my parents are fluent in our language and they didn't speak it in our household growing up because of the way they were treated for speaking their language. And so for us, they thought they were doing us a favor and they thought that they were protecting us by not speaking it or passing it down because then we wouldn't be picked on for having that as our first language. And that's something I often talk to my parents about, like, I wish that you had. But again, it's not their fault. It's that um, trauma that they faced because of these very racist tactics used against our community from the boarding school era to the adoption era in Native American history. And that's why for future generations, you know, for my nephews who are young, it's important that they're taking Navajo language classes and that we're finding ways to provide that access to our Indigenous children. No, that's beautiful. I appreciate that. You know, I was smiling earlier, uh, Ali, when you were describing one of the many reasons why sometimes language is not passed down. And uh, because for us immigrants as well, we go through a similar thing. You know, there was one generation ago that basically came here and says, in America, you only speak English and you dress like this and you sound like this. You have to blend in. You know, the generation after that grew kind of resentful because once they discover their DNA, they're like, why don't I speak the language? Why don't I hear this music more often? The generation after that one picked up where that was left off. So for some of those parents today who never learned the Spanish, those new kids are now we're like, whoa, man, like I need to learn how to speak Spanish. That's where it's at. The Spanish music, Spanish everything, you know? And, and there's something pop culturally happening in which is the resurface of our roots through the interest and the common goal of understanding that our culture really is us and is who we are. And therefore that level of pride is surfacing again. I think that there's there's a beautiful redistribution discovering our culture again. And I think that that's, that's where we're at now. And, and that's that, that culture, the discovery of that culture, it's what is going to allow us 
to continue to protect our elderly and to continue to protect our heritage and carry that torch for the next one. And we certainly have a lot to learn from the process and and allow more conversations to be had so we can continue to walk side by side like we are as allies. And and uh, Mr. do you have something else to add? That's a beautiful image, Wilmer. Um, yeah, folks walking side by side in solidarity and in community with one another. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I'd, I'd really love to know from both of you, President Nez and Ali, about particular moments during the pandemic where each of you felt proud of, of what you'd accomplished. And Ali, why don't we start with your thoughts on this? Yeah, one moment was at the very beginning when we started Protect the Sacred and we called on our Native youth to step up in this moment and show us what you're proud of, how you're proud to be Indigenous. And it was to encourage a lot of our youth to use this time at home to reconnect with culture. And I think as President Nez, this cultural renaissance that's happening with our Native youth who are, I think, in, in a lot of ways, more proud to be Indigenous than ever and really, really want to reconnect and know the history of our peoples better than, you know, many of our elders. And the one thing that I was so proud of when we launched that, it was like a TikTok challenge. Um, We were on a Facebook Live and Mark Ruffalo was sharing a story about how his kids were using TikTok and spending a lot of time on TikTok because they were at home. And he said, I want to see a a boom of Native TikToks. And that's actually like what happened. Our Native youth stepped up and there was this boom of Native TikTok. And you can like search that in TikTok right now and you'll go down a rabbit hole of amazing Native content by our Native youth and young people. And there was this one video in particular that we highlighted that um, we actually helped to produce and edit together with a group of young Diné girls. It was a part of the Don't Rush Challenge that was happening early on last year, where people would toss like a makeup brush, and then they put it in front of the lens, and then they would have their makeup on, and then they toss it. We called it the Diné Don't Rush Challenge. And our girls did the same thing, but they were doing what they were passionate about in the first segment. And so someone was playing basketball, someone was brushing the mane of their horse, a young cowgirl. And then when they would put the brush in front of the camera, then they were in their dinner, traditional clothes and just showing that pride. It was really beautiful to see that. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Allie. Um, and what sticks out to you, President Nez? You know, I, I mentioned it earlier, just seeing the Navajo people come together throughout this pandemic just being proud of our Navajo citizens for adhering and honoring really their public health professionals and also their leaders, you know, and and that is a cultural teaching to honor and respect those that lead. And that made me proud as a a leader. You know, of course, there are some that are not going to listen. It's the same thing throughout this country, but for us, We didn't go over the hill or go into a bunker or whatever during the height of this pandemic. Uh, What I was also proud of is our team here at the office of the president, vice president, our administration going out to the communities. There's 110 chapters. We visited all 110 chapters and then we were halfway through the second round by handing out PPEs, food and supplies to our Navajo people. 
and just letting our Navajo citizens know that their leadership is out there. Even though we were scared, we were fearful. We might catch the virus, but I knew it was very important that our citizens see their leaders be out there on the front lines, shoulder to shoulder with their warriors. And it brought comfort to our warriors and also our our Navajo people. And just seeing the response from our Navajo people just blew me away because the Navajo people, I think we overuse this a lot, resilience. But in our Navajo way, it's called which means, you know, you're able to do these things for yourself and it gets as close as to the family. But even for a nation, if we call ourselves sovereign, we better act like a sovereign nation. And you know what? The Navajo people did just that. No matter what adversity comes before us, we are overcomers and we're going to continue to help ourselves. And you know what? At one point, we even helped other people. We helped the nation of India. Uh, we developed homemade masks. And remember when India was getting hit hard, we sent masks out there from one nation to the next. And so that's what true sovereignty is all about, to be able to govern yourself, to help yourself. And if you're able to do that, you are able to bless others. And the Navajo people did just that. I'm so proud of them. I'm proud of you know being able to facilitate, but most importantly, I'm just so honored that I was able to hear your words and your affirmations and, and the pride. And just thank you. Thank you for being part of Essential Voices. Okay. Yeah, thank you. We learned so much from the round table, but all I really want to do is be with my parents and hear their stories and to think that while so many people were using this lockdown to bake bread and binge Tiger King, an entire nation used that time to protect their history and start a true renaissance. I'm so grateful that we had this opportunity to speak with both Ali and President Nez this week. I mean, what an incredible honor. And I, I just learned so much from both of them. You said it there. And uh, MR, I think I'm going to go watch some of the amazing sounding videos from the Protect the Sacred Youth Now. <laughs> Wait, Wilmer. What's up? What are we doing next week? Oh, yeah. This is the part where we introduce the next episode. <laughs> next week on Essential Voices, we'll hear from essential worker Ben Hess, who works at the grocery store and was sucking shelves and keeping customers happy throughout the pandemic. Ben's story will be followed by a roundtable discussion with actress, activist, and director and producer Sophia Bush and Jim Arabi, the director of strategic campaigns for the United Food and Commercial Workers Local Fire Union. Thank you for joining us. Essential Voices with Wilmer Valderrama is produced by me, M.R. Raquel, Allison Shano, and Kevin Rutkowski, with production support from associate producer Lillian Holman, executive producers Wilmer Valderrama, Adam Reynolds, Leo Clem, and Aaron Hilliard. This episode was edited by M.R. Raquel and Sean Tracy and features original music by Will Rosati. Special thanks to this week's essential voice, Dr. Lance Whitehair, and to our thought leaders, Navajo President Jonathan Nez and Ali Young from Protect the Sacred. Additional thanks to Harness and Sean T. Sells. This is a Clamor and WV Entertainment production in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Tengo diabetes. Yo, asma. Estamos en riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. 19 años o más con afecciones crónicas como asma, diabetes, EPOC o enfermedad cardíaca o tienes 65 años o más, estás en mayor riesgo de contraer la neumonía neumocócica. Pregunta a tu médico o farmacéutico sobre Prevnar 20, una vacuna de Pfizer que puede ayudar a proteger contra la neumonía neumocócica con una sola dosis. Aunque te hayas vacunado previamente con otras vacunas contra la neumonía, Prevnar 20 puede ayudar a proveer protección adicional. Prevnar 20 está aprobada para adultos para ayudar a prevenir infecciones de 20 cepas de la bacteria que causa la neumonía neumocócica. La aprobación continua puede depender de un estudio de apoyo. No uses Prevnar 20 si has tenido una reacción alérgica grave a la vacuna o a sus componentes. Los adultos con sistemas inmunitarios debilitados pueden tener una respuesta reducida a la vacuna. Los efectos secundarios incluyen dolor e hinchazón en el área de la inyección, fatiga, dolor de cabeza, dolor muscular y en las coyunturas. Para obtener la información para la prescripción completa, llama al 1-855-213-2138 o visita prevnar 20 en español.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.